Thank you so much for tuning in. You are listening to the Real Health, Real Talk podcast. My name is Ebony May. I'm a girl in my early 20s, a personal trainer and a soon-to-be nutritionist. I'm extremely passionate about holistic health and inspiring others to live happy and healthy lives. My goal and purpose in life is to encourage girls and women to feel good in and about their bodies. I interview some amazing women and share my own experience and knowledge in some solo episodes. Now, without further ado, let the real talk begin. Welcome back to the Real Health Real Talk podcast. This is an interview episode between myself and Shelly McKenzie. Shelly McKenzie, also known as Freedom Wellness on Instagram, has her own clinic in Port Melbourne, is a nutritionist and soon-to-be naturopath, and she prides herself on using a balanced approach with food and helping others to do the same through her clinic. In this interview, we dive into the effects of stress on the body. Shelly also debunks a few common misconceptions in regard to nutrition and the health realm also talks about how she healed herself from her thyroid condition Hashimoto's. This was a super fun interview and I absolutely loved recording it and I can't wait for you to listen. Without further ado, here is my interview with Shelly McKenzie. Shelly, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks, Ebony. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I would love if you could just tell the audience a bit about who you are and how you've come to do what you're currently doing. Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Shelley McKenzie and I'm a nutritionist and soon-to-be naturopath in Melbourne. Um, and basically, I experienced my own health storm, I call it, when I was 24 years old. Um, and that's really led me to the path that I'm on today. So um, at that time, I was a personal trainer and I'd been in the health industry for quite some time. But yeah, when I experienced, I was diagnosed with a thyroid condition um, and became really, really sick at age 24. And it took quite a long time for the doctors to actually work out what was wrong with me. Um, And yeah, I guess at that point, you know, I was given bags full of medication to start taking and um, I was to take, you know, a pill every day for the rest of my life and that was going to control how I physically and mentally felt. Um, and to be honest, I'm not against Western medicine, but mm-hmm. I just knew that I hadn't been living my best life. And so before I went down that route, I just decided to start making some lifestyle um, changes. So, yeah, I guess, um, you know, at 24, I'd been enjoying Melbourne lifestyle. I'm originally a country girl, so... Um, I'd been going out and probably partying a little bit too much and, um, you know, living that typical Monday to Friday lifestyle where I'd train and eat what I thought was quite well and come the weekend I'd go out and party till all hours of the night and drink alcohol and lose all food inhibition and all that sort of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I really started playing around with my diet and my lifestyle and made some big changes and then threw myself into the bodybuilding world um, and sat there for a couple of years and that was, you know, a great experience, but a very restrictive lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I had to sort of climb my way back out of that as well because I came out of that with a lot of body image issues and, um, you know, thinking I was fat when, you know, I look at photos now and I was, I had a full six pack, you know, but I couldn't yeah. see that. Um, so yeah, my journey's been long and it's been going on for the last sort of eight years. But yeah, as I said, you know, when I started healing my body from the thyroid condition I was diagnosed with, with, 
with, which is Hashimoto's, um, I started to really understand the power of food. And so I went on to study nutrition, not really knowing what I was going to do with that um, and whether it would just be something I personally used or not. But I just fell in love with food, to be honest. And so, yeah, now I practice as a nutritionist and I'm just finishing my degree as a naturopath as well. That's so exciting. Can't wait. (laughs) So when you were younger, was food something that you looked at as medicine? Like how was your upbringing in regards to food? Yeah, so, well, I'm from the country. So I'm from Yarrawonga, Mawela, up on the border of New South Wales and Victoria. Oh, I'm from Wangaratta. Oh, are you? There yeah. you go. So you know it very well. Yes. Um, so I guess growing up, and Wangaratta is the same, like, you know, it's very, like, there's so much sport. So I grew up playing a lot of sport no matter what season it was. Um, and, look, my parents did the best they know, you know, they knew how. So we were a three-meat and veg type family. Um mostly home cooked I think like on a Friday night we got to have fish and chips and that was our treat um but yeah no I didn't grow up you know using food as medicine definitely not my mum's a nurse um Mm -hmm. so she was in that health space and had some understanding and I think she always took the natural route where possible um however she was just navigating as well so it wasn't something that was really ingrained into us um yeah and it was when I got sick I was actually heading over to India to ride a motorbike down the coast for six weeks with my now husband um and I really thought I'm going to India the food over there is just absolutely incredible and all those beautiful like spices and herbs and things like that I thought that's my opportunity to see what I can do with food and really start to like nourish and heal my body um so yeah that sort of I guess it was more the India trip that led me down that route using food as medicine rather than my upbringing however I did have like a pretty healthy yeah upbringing lots of sport lots of food (laughs) yeah nice (laughs) yeah so, I'm dying to go to India. Oh, that's definitely on my um, bucket list. Oh, my God. It's honestly the most underrated place, I think. Like, we just had the best time. Um, I was still really sick. So there was days where, you know, we couldn't get on the motorbike and I couldn't go and do things. But um, I still – it's one of the best holidays I think I've ever been on, even though I was sick <laughs> at the time. Like, it's just such an incredible place. And the beaches over there, oh, my gosh, they're just incredible. So, yes, highly recommend it, particularly the coastline. Yeah, and I think in terms of probably using food as medicine and that sort of mentality, there's not really any place better than somewhere like India because that's what they've been doing for so long. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Like, And, you know, everything over there is, generally speaking, so it's homegrown and it's cooked and there's so much love that goes into all their food. And because they do use a lot of herbs and spices and broths and things like that like their food is honestly so incredibly nourishing and healing um and so yeah it was it was a great place to start I was advised not to go on the tree but um I'm pretty stubborn so I still went um yeah so no it was a perfect place to be for me at that time and you know being 24 I I honestly at, at that stage yeah I didn't know a lot about food and I hadn't really I was living with roommates and we'd just cook whatever and you know I just was eating what I thought was healthy but India really changed my perspective on food as well which was amazing yeah amazing that's probably exactly what you needed 100 percent 
Yeah, 100%. I'm so glad I still went and um, got something out of it, yeah. Yeah, and no, it sounds amazing. So I'm also in the like, – well, starting to become – I graduate this year from nutrition um, in amazing. the nutrition industry. I know how many misconceptions there are. What do you think is the most common misconception in regards to health or more so healthy eating, and why do you think that is? Yeah, so oh, one of the most common misconceptions – I mean – you know, diets work for everyone. It's probably a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all should be taking supplements. Um, I see clients that are on, you know, 10 upwards supplements a day yeah. um, and still not getting results or feeling better. Um, so I think that's a really big one, like thinking that if we take a supplement, everything will be better. Um, and, and yeah, and I also see a lot of clients that have been trying numerous different diets and they just sort of jump in around whether it be paleo or keto or some sort of fasting or you know all these different methods and so um I think for me my biggest thing is just trying to break down nutrition and bring it back to basics for that individual so you know we're all individual people so just because um I eat carbohydrates doesn't mean carbohydrates you know are necessarily going to be great for the next person and you know just things like that and so I think it's yeah, just realising that we all have our own bodies and the one thing does not work for everyone. Yeah. Um, and we really need to dive into how food's making us feel as an individual and then start tailoring our diet to suit that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I think, like, you know, there's people that are scared of carbohydrates, for instance, and think, oh, we can't have carbs after dark or, um, you know, coffee's bad for us or... You know, so I'm going coffee free and instead I'm going to drink X amount of matcha and all these things. And like all of it is valid to some extent, but not for everyone. Yeah. And so, you know, carbs after dark, for instance, for a female, it it is actually beautiful for our hormones. And while we're sleeping, carbs, like in the sense of grains and things, they actually help promote sleep, they help promote stress. But, you know, yeah, they're not going to be great for everyone over nighttime. And that just comes down to the individual's goal. If you could, I know it's really hard in terms because everyone is so different. You can't really use blanket statements. But if there was one thing that you could suggest everybody do to improve their health, what would that be? Okay, so I've got two things. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. (laughs) So first thing is I honestly believe in the 80-20 method. So everybody has generally heard of the 80-20 method. However, a lot of people don't know how to actually implement it. Mm -hmm. And I just think um, the 80-20 method, I use it with all of my clients. So basically that's 80% of the time we're nourishing our body. So we're feeding our body with, you know, beautiful um, fruits, vegetables, beautiful fats, protein. Um, and 20% of the time I like to call it our soul food so we're feeding our soul and so that might be chocolate wine pizza like whatever your vice is that's 20% of the time so I really love to implement that with clients just because again I think nutrition can be so stressful and um, we can yeah worry a lot about the outcomes of the food and end up in quite bad um, mindsets and mind like you know mental states around it so the first thing I would encourage everyone is 80 20 for um, people just beginning that process I always say to initially just start planning out like your 20 percent so 
for instance, if you if it's a Sunday and you're getting your meals and everything organized for the week, but you know you're out for a work dinner on a Wednesday night or you've got, you know, a birthday party on the weekend, that's going to fall into your 20%. So they're the times where you can let go of everything you think about food and just purely enjoy it because it makes your heart sing and your soul sing. Um, eventually, once you've been doing it for long enough, you can really let go of that organization and sort of planning your 20% because you'll find that you just naturally do it. Yeah. So that's my first thing. And I just, yeah, I use that purely to create balance and to take away the stress in my clients' lives. Um, and then the second thing is with your coffee, so most of us every day uh, um, will, you know, drink coffee with breakfast or with a meal or what have you. I often will get my clients to try to separate that by about 30 minutes away from their food. And the reason I do this is just to optimize their nutrition. So, for instance, if in the morning, that's when most people are having their coffee with their breakfast, we're breaking the fast, right? And mm-hmm. so we really want all those beautiful nutrients coming into our body and our body to be able to utilize that. However, when we're drinking coffee, coffee is going to put us in that state of fight or flight almost. So it's like that stress response, which speeds up our metabolism and we don't get to utilize those nutrients um well enough and so I will often get clients particularly if there is any digestive issues that one works beautifully is just to separate their coffee again just maybe 80% of the time like obviously there's going to be times when you go out for brunch or lunch and you want your coffee with your meal and that's fine Um, but yeah majority of the time we're sort of separating food from coffee and that honestly um, yeah just helps you know utilize the nutrients from when we a break in our fast, mm-hmm. um, as well as often helps with a lot of digestive issues that people are finding as well. Yeah, yeah. so they're probably my two. <laughs> yeah, no, they're awesome. They're super helpful. I love that, like your general mentality towards nutrition. That sometimes I think people look at food and diet, and I guess there are more ideal foods. But remembering that the person is actually human. We're not robots. We're not just going to put particular foods into our body. You know, taste comes into it family events come into it and I think sometimes the stress surrounding the energy of trying to eat perfectly almost cancels out what you're eating because you're putting that much stress on your body. Mm-hmm. 100% agree and it is honestly so common particularly for us women like we for some reason think that we need to live this restrictive type lifestyle in order to achieve our goals and it's just not the case like and as you say when we do have a lot of stress present you know we're then jeopardizing we're not always absorbing our nutrients with stress comes a rise of cortisol and adrenaline and adrenaline is actually our number one um or insulin our number one fat storage hormones so you know that can increase things like weight as well and lead to a lot of other health outcomes and so Mm -hmm. i think it is really important yeah, to try to take away that stress as much as possible because living a life of restriction is no fun. And I guess when I – that's come from – I dove into that bodybuilding world for two years and, you know, um, was on stage competing as a fitness model. And when I did that, it was everything you see. So it was like boiled chicken, boiled broccoli. It was just such a boring lifestyle. And everything was tracked and – it really consumed so much of my time now on reflection, but at the time I just did it um, because I had a really big goal in mind and it was a part of my healing journey, to be honest. But um, coming out of that, I just realized that, you know, you can still maintain all of your health results, but have a life as well. And 
you know, live stress-free, which, as you say, it is such an important factor that often is underrated. Um, and, you know, we have that many stresses in our life anyway coming from a physical, chemical, emotional point of view. The last thing we need is to be then throwing in food to the mix that can be so healing but at the same time um, not if we allow it to be. So, yeah. Exactly. Stress does affect everyone day to day, some more than others, but some people are particularly riddled with it. How do you manage stress and what does stress do to our health in general? Yeah, so pretty much um, with stress, I always say the first thing to recognise is that people manifest stress very differently. And so, you know, when I talk about that, it's some people will internally hold their stress and other people will be very expressive with their stress. So, for instance, you know, I used to think that I was, I'd never ever felt stress in my life, which was a blatant lie. But if I looked at, say, my sister who deals with stress a little bit different to me, she sort of lets it out and then moves on, whereas I internalize it. So it is really important to just um, point out the difference. And there's no right or wrong. And just because you're internalizing it doesn't mean you're, you're not experiencing stress. You definitely are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. With stress, you know, it, it, it can lead to high blood pressure, cholesterol, insulin, you know, type 2 diabetes. It actually um, can slow down our metabolism and break down our muscle, which is a really um, big factor and one of the factors as to why majority of the population will put on weight when there's stress around. Um, and, you know, it also plays with our, drug, uh, with our um, blood sugar metabolism as well. So... They're some of the ways it can affect us. And it's important to note, you know, we have two main stress hormones. So we've got our adrenaline, which is our short-term stress hormone. And that is um, historically that was used to get us out of danger fast. So, you know, when we were running away from a tiger, for instance. Nowadays, it's like road rage on the way to work or the kids are holding you up and, you know, you're needing to get to a meeting, but you can't. And, you know, it's those sort of short stresses where, like, the adrenaline peaks and then it drops again. And for some people, as you say, some people experience this like throughout the day and quite often. Um, And I guess the main thing to realise with the adrenaline is when that is increased, glucose is then dumped into our bloodstream, which spikes our blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. And that's when that um, weight gain can occur because insulin, as I mentioned before, is our primary fat storage. Um, And then on the flip side to that, we've got our cortisol. So Our cortisol is our long-term stress hormone and that um, can actually be amazing for our health because it can dampen down the effects of inflammation in our body and it actually buffers insulin, which helps us burn fat for energy. So, um, for instance, exercising, when we're exercising for, say, 45 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever it is each day, we're actually getting a rise in our cortisol. And so that's one of the reasons why we burn fat when we're exercising. Mm However, when we're in a state of long-term, you know, effects of cortisol, and again, historically, that may have been war or famine or, you know, shortage of food, whereas nowadays it's more financial and um, family or stresses or work stresses or what have you. They're the sort of stresses that are just constantly in that subconscious mind, even if they're not at the forefront. That's when things start to occur, like what I mentioned, you know, the rise in blood pressure and weight and the muscle breakdown and things. So that's sort of the effects of stress. And I guess 
you know, looking at the lifestyle is very important. So making sure that we've got enough sleep. Um, meditation is extremely incredible for stress. So even if it's 20 minutes a day and you can break that up throughout the day, being mindful. So using mindfulness throughout your day is another form of meditation. So, you know, I say to clients when you're brushing your teeth, just really be in that moment of brushing your teeth, feel the toothpaste in your mouth, feel the water, you know, start to just be really mindful um, and exercise. But often if there's long-term stress, I always recommend doing, you know, going for a nice long walk out in nature or a yoga or Pilates session rather than, you know, an F45 class or a HIIT class. I feel like a yeah. lot of women get stuck in that trap of of thinking, you know, they're exhausted from a day of work. They've probably had so many stresses already, but they haven't been yeah. to the gym and so they don't feel guilty. Then they go and do a HIIT session. So it is really, I mean, it's hard to sort of wrap your mind around. Once you understand the science, it's it makes sense, but it's hard to wrap your mind around thinking, we're so wired to think that a hard and fast workout is going to help us lose weight, is going to help us be healthy. But it's really important to understand what's going on under the surface as well. 100%. And it's really important to allow yourself to back off your exercise because, honestly, when I get my clients um, to back off their exercise, at the start, from a mindset you know, perspective, as you said, it can cause a little bit more stress thinking, oh my God, I'm not exercising today and I'm not burning X amount of calories, but it actually does your body so, um, so, you know, good if you're in that state of stress. So yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, and I think, you know, even if you want to bring the 80-20 approach in there as well, um, you know, just to get that mindset right. And so 80% of the time you can do your more strenuous exercise and 20% of the time it's more of a nourishing for your body. So you're just going for a long nature walk, for instance. Um, And then eventually you can start, you know, altering that to 70, 30%. And, you know, and then you you just work it out based on your stress levels. But that may help the mentality as well around that whole needing to go and burn X amount of calories and do a really hard, fast session. Yeah. So we've sort of touched on diet and stress and health in general. A lot of women sort of struggle with balancing all of these things. So what are your best tips for creating a good balance in regards to the aspects of health? Start very, very small (laughs) Um, and work out what habits are sort of hindering your health and what habits are propelling your health. So I guess if we think about all of our habits in a day-to-day sort of, um, yeah, looking at day-to-day habits, like we've got hundreds, right? Mm -hmm. And some of them will be hindering your health. So for example, at 3 p.m. every day, your energy levels start to slump or the boredom hits in, so you reach for the chocolate bar or you are on the lookout for any type of sugar just to give you that pick-me-up. That's a habit that is going to actually hinder your health rather than propel it. And so when we start to like recognize our habits and I guess start to break down them, it's much easier to get a grip on living a healthy life in sort of autopilot. So eventually we get to the point where we're just doing it rather than having to sit and consciously think about it. And I think that's the best place to be in, but it takes a lot of time. Um, So yeah, my recommendation would be to sit down and, you know, each day as you do little habits, so it could be even of an evening, you're reaching for the sugar as well, or you just want something after you've eaten, or, you know, as we just spoke about, when you're stressed, you feel like you need to go and do a really heavy exercise session rather than going for a walk or, 
Um, you know, we, we literally, you don't drink enough water within a day. Like all of these different habits lead to a not so great lifestyle when they're all put together. And so my recommendation is just as these habits are coming up, spend a couple of weeks just writing them down in a diary. Yeah, And then from there, you can start breaking it down. So you can look at one habit at a time and go, okay, that's one that I can change. For instance, you know, I know I only drink two glasses of water a day, but for a woman, you know, we want at least two litres, for a male, at least three litres. So what I'm going to do is each day just constantly try to add one extra glass. So, you know, I might start with three glasses and when I'm in the habit, add four glasses. And we just start to make these habits um, and it takes about 12 weeks to form these sorts of habits so Mm -hmm. that's why it is a long process but yeah definitely breaking down your habits and picking one or two habits at a time that you feel is easiest for you to start working on um and eventually or when we've got all these habits put together hopefully 80 80 percent of them are more healthier habits and that lifestyle just becomes that autopilot I would like to know a little bit about what you do in your day-to-day life. Who could benefit from coming to see you? What sort of problems or issues do you work on? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess mainly I see women in practice. However, I also do see um, some males. But, yeah, my practice is predominantly women just because I'm a woman and that's what I attract. Um, So I see a lot of women for hormonal issues such as... um, you know, endometriosis, PCOS, um, balancing out hormones, coming off the pill, fertility, all those sorts of things. I also see a lot of thyroid um, clients. So again, I think that's just, you know, that universal attraction, um, having my own thyroid issues that I manage every day. Um, And then I also work with a lot of clients just um, with the general health side of things. So, you know, perhaps a little bit of weight loss and working on finding that 80-20 balance and just, um, yeah, that general sort of lifestyle as well. Mm -hmm. And then I practice both online and in Port Melbourne. Um, So, yeah, and I'm in practice from a Wednesday to a Saturday generally. So you do um, like Skype? Yeah, yeah. I normally do FaceTime or Skype, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I'm going to leave all of your information. So if anyone listening is interested in seeing Shelley or looking more at that, I'll leave your social medias below as well. Amazing. Thank you. So I've so enjoyed talking to you, but I have a few quick cues, if that's okay, to finish up. Go for it. So just whatever comes to your head first. Uh, What is your favourite food? Oh, the first thing that came to my head was pizza, which is weird. I'm actually <laughs> pregnant, and so my cravings are all over the place. I wouldn't normally say pizza, but, hey, that's what popped into my head. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Um, Thank you. <laughs> what is your favourite quote? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm not much of a quotey person, to be honest. I don't know. I don't think <laughs> I have one. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Moving on. Um, if you could go back in time and give one piece of advice to 16-year-old Shelley, what would it be? Um, it would be to appreciate everything your parents do in terms of diet and lifestyle because they are doing what they know best and don't rebel against them later on in life, which is what I feel like I did when I was 18 and moved to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what is one thing that you are grateful for today? Um, Well, I'm grateful for this chat. I actually really love just connecting and um, talking to other people in the health space. So, yeah, I I love um, chatting all things health. So I'm very grateful for you and this conversation right now. 
So am I. I I could talk about this stuff all day and I think my friends get a little bit sick of it. So yeah, when I find like-minded people, (laughs) it is awesome. And when we can hit record on the chat as well, it just makes it even better. Thank you so, so much for popping onto the podcast. And yeah, I can't wait to hear more from you. Thanks, Ebony. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Real Health Real Talk podcast. If you liked this episode, feel free to leave me a podcast review. If you'd like to see or hear more from me, follow me on Instagram at Ebony May Health. Thank you again for tuning in and I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode.